Coaches, welcome to this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. We're excited to share a new sponsor for this season, Watch Game Film. The simple way to watch, exchange, and manage game film. We understand that ease of use is paramount to productivity, so our platform provides you and your team with the right video solution so you can focus on the game you love. Our intuitive player includes instant replay, slow motion, play loop, rewind, and more. Plus, our platform includes video telestration and commenting features, enabling you to convey clear coaching points to your staff and athletes. When it comes to sharing and trading film, our Excel platforms offers many ways to exchange with your friends, conference, or opponents, even if they're using other film management systems. Plus, we make it easy to communicate with your own team with the ability to message user groups, individual teams, or even contacts outside your team. We know the importance of highlight reels for athletes and recruiters. A highlight tool allows athletes and teams to create the ultimate highlight reel and show their talent to the world. So what about costs? Our packages start at just $100 a year or 50 bucks per season for on-screen and in-text. That includes unlimited film and unlimited users. Our mission is to help coaches and athletes succeed without forcing them to spend limited funds on overpriced software. Ready to get started? Go to watchgamefilm.com. Again, that's watchgamefilm, all one word, .com to discover how watching and exchanging and managing film can be both simple and affordable. All right, coaches, welcome to this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. Uh, tonight we got Coach Charles Hopkins uh, from Kentucky State University. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Appreciate you guys having me on the show. Oh, no, we're excited to have you. Um, anytime we can talk a little option football, we get excited. So, um, But why don't we go ahead and kick it off, Coach? You know, tell listeners about your coaching journey, maybe how you got to uh, Kentucky State, how long you've been coaching option football. Oh, wow. The, the, that question could take a while to answer. Um, I've had several stops since I've gotten to, into coaching. I started at high school level at Elbert County High School. And uh, uh, then we run more of a wing T type deal, but it's still double slot. You know, had, we still ran a little bit of midline and some sort of things like that. Uh, toss, obviously. But then when I got into college, I, my first college job was, uh, first of all, I'm from Elbert County, Georgia. I've always lived in the state of Georgia until I, I decided to go into college football. But I took a job in St. Paul, Minnesota at Hamlin University for uh, Coach John Payton. I played down at Georgia Southern. He was one of our coaches there. and He got that head coaching job. He was one of the guys who, who knew the system. Uh, so he hired me up there. Uh, a tough place to win, to be completely honest with you. They hadn't done a lot of winning. And, uh, and you know, we weren't any much different. We were up there and, and didn't have a ton of success. But after that, uh, I got an opportunity at a Division II level at Brevard College um, working for Paul Hamilton, who's a longtime uh, – veteran of the coaching industry. He was the uh, play caller for the Air Force Academy for, I think, seven or eight years before he was the head coach at Tennessee State and the head coach at Elon. And uh, <clears throat> an option guy that knows a ton about the about the system. Uh, fr- from there, I went to uh, Missouri Southern State University. Spent a year out there and uh, I learned a whole lot from H.T. Kinney, who I, I think you guys may know. Yeah. Um, we, we did a lot of real meticulous film study and breakdown. That's that's the way he operates, and it was it was, it was great for me to to be able to do all that. Uh, after that, I got a job as offensive coordinator at Shorter University, working for Phil Jones. Um, that was a lot of fun. It's a, a little bit of a different experience as a coach. Uh, 
being a, a first-time play caller, really. Um, but it was a lot of fun, and just you just learn how fast that clock really ticks when you got to come up with the next the next solution to the defense you're facing. Uh, after that, I actually got a job at a William Penn University. I know you guys have had Coach Half. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome guy. Yeah, uh, he had is. a great time working. Was out there for one year, played a ton of golf, and uh, <laughs> we actually won a championship the year I was there in 2016. We got a, got a nice ring from that. Uh, and from there on, um, I got an opportunity to go to the Citadel, who, you know, was um, was really riding high at the time, um, coach the tackles and tight ends. So it was a little bit of a different role. I worked more on the defensive side of the ball, actually setting up defenses and doing some stuff like that that I hadn't done in quite some time. Uh, that was a great experience. Um, you know, getting out there, getting to specialize with the tackles, tight ends. Um, you know, learned a lot out there from from Coach Thompson and, and uh, Coach Conti. And... Uh, so the next, so that brings me to Kentucky State. Well, so here's here's how this happened. I know a lot, a lot of people think this is an odd move. Uh, uh, Kentucky State University had won no football games. Uh, they had made a commitment with a new president, new athletic director, to improving that. Uh, so they went out and they got Coach Charlie Jackson from the Atlanta Falcons. I said, man, I can't believe that, that he had a job at Kentucky State. You know, especially a program in the that it was in. Um, but uh, the powers that be convinced him that, uh, that they would do, they would treat him the way that he wanted to be treated. He wasn't going to take a head coaching job unless he was going to be able to do it the way he wanted to do it. And this is his first head coaching job. And he said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go down uh, the way I think that you're supposed to do it um, where I'm not taking a head coaching job, period. And the, and the, the uh, administration has been very supportive of us and uh, give us the things we need to, to, to uh, be successful. So with that being said, just a little brief history of kind of, I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but uh, uh, Coach Jackson hired Coach Hamilton, who I'd worked for previously at Brevard, who had, all, who had been at uh, Georgia Tech with Paul Johnson the last couple of years. And Paul Johnson, act, or sorry, Coach Hamilton actually recruited Coach Jackson to the Air Force Academy when he was coaching out there. Wow. And so that, that was the link they had together. And then, of course, I had worked for Coach Hamilton at Brevard, and he uh, called me up and said, hey, look, you've got this opportunity here to work for an NFL guy. You have your own offensive line again, um, this and that. And the financial situation was a factor as well. And uh, we got out here and uh, hit the ground running. That's, that's kind of how I got here, the uh, condensed version. Wow, that's, that's awesome, man. You, you're so well-rounded. You've been – You've been around so many triple option coaches and programs, man. That's that's fantastic, Coach. That's oh, no awesome, doubt. man. Yeah, it's been, been a lot, a lot of a lot of opportunities to learn. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say from uh, Coach Hafner and uh, those guys to Citadel to the guys at Georgia uh, Georgia Tech, and uh, I mean just just tremendous amount of uh, option guys that you've been around and been influenced by. That's that's fantastic, man. Oh yeah, I've been I've been absolutely blessed uh, to to have been around that many with different guys. Now, Coach, remind me now. I think I'm right here. Elbert County is right on the border of Georgia and South Carolina, isn't it? Right on there. Yeah, but I live. About, I grew up about a mile from South Carolina. Like right across from like Star, Iva, Greenwood, yep. all that area right there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's right. You know the area then. Yeah, my mother taught at Crescent many, 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 many moons ago. Okay, I was going to say, not, not a lot of people know about Star and Crescent over there. 
Yeah, she was a Grovike for a little bit. Nobody knows well, cool. who that is, though. But anyway, <laughs> I'm from up by Clemson. Oh. Well, so, good, you're, you're right down there. Yeah, not far. Not far. <laughs> hey, um, you know, in, in all of that, in all of those stops, right, you know, when you're reflecting back and you've got to, you know, you got to make a hard decision or you need to lean on someone for advice. Maybe, maybe talk about someone you kind of lean on as a mentor. I know you mentioned a couple guys. I'm sure they'll pop up again. But, you know, just talk about, you know, a guy you've leaned on and maybe – and who that guy is. Well, probably a couple of them. And probably the ones that I've, I've known the longest. Uh, uh, when I played at Georgia Southern, I played for Mike Seawalk and Paul Johnson both. And uh, our offensive line coach was Brent Davis. And those are uh, – Coach Seawalk and Coach Davis are guys that I've, uh, you know, stayed close with throughout the years. And, that uh, you know, the kind of people I call say, hey, what do you know about this school or this person? And, you know, would you recommend doing this? And, and uh, they've always been extremely healthy. We were both uh, helpful with both the uh, technical side of the football and the, uh, you know, professional side as well. So those are, those are probably the two top guys. And like I said, ever since I worked for – Coach Hamilton, 2013, uh, also been in touch with him and happy to be back with him. And he's another guy that's always, uh, you know, been there as far as uh, how to run the offense, but even more so is, uh, you know, being a, a man and a coach and uh, a professional. Now, was was Paul the head coach in Southern when you were there or was Seawalk? Uh, my freshman year, Paul Johnson was, but and I got redshirted that year and I actually played for, for a – Coach Seawalk for four years, four years. Gotcha. Coach Seawalk. Gotcha. Well, Coach, tell the listeners more about Kentucky State and what the school's what the school is like and um, what you're looking for in players. Well, um, the school has been great. Like I said, as far as the support from the administration and uh, and working for Coach Jackson, um, you know, we uh, everything's been been really good. Uh, uh, since we've been here, they've been making a ton of are doing a ton of updates to campus in general as far as uh, facilities and uh, our field this past season was just god awful. I mean, you see some of those clips I know you played where we're just playing in mud out there. The guys are just covered. We're, there, we're getting to actually meeting about turf tomorrow. We're going to be getting a, a new turf field. So oh, nice. our success this past season played a little bit into that. And we're, we're, we're mightily thankful for that. Um, so uh, it's got ways to go as far as that goes. Um, you know, not a lot of of, uh, not a lot of field equipment, you know, this first year, but that's another thing that we've improved on throughout the year and, and we'll continue to next year. Um, as far as the school goes, the culture around the school is great. I mean, the, the kids are outstanding. Um, I had never worked in an HBCU before. I didn't know exactly what to expect, but, I mean, it's it's like any other school in the world. I mean, it's, just, it's been absolutely great. Um, the kids have really bought in. and I think, like I said, having a little bit of success really, really um, – you know, made them proud, especially coming off that 0-10 season. Um, they kind of walk around with their heads oh. held high and, and have, you know, a little bit of a, a more of a sense of self-respect, I guess. It had been, been a little rougher in here before. But, uh, again, Coach Jackson likes to likes to emphasize on recruiting weekend stuff. He said, you know, you're not coming to play football for Kentucky. You're coming to play football for Charlie Jackson. And, uh, and you know, we not not to say that we're, we're separate from the, the normal campus, but uh, – but like I said, he's going to do things his way, and um, so far that's, that's worked out really well for us. And uh, you know, when we when we need to grind, we'll grind, 
And, uh, you know, when we have some downtime, free time, he, he definitely lets us take advantage of that. Um, uh, we've got a great uh, agriculture and aquaculture program, but as far as the academic stuff like that, I mean, they're, they're, they're top notch, great business school, um, great engineering department. Um, uh, having, uh, we're experiencing a good bit of success in other sports right now, baseball and track. We're located, a lot of people don't know that uh, the capital of Kentucky is Frankfort, Kentucky, and that's where we are. We're, we're about one mile away from the Capitol building, and I live about uh, halfway between school and the Capitol building, so it's a nice, easy uh, half a mile drive in the mornings to get to school. And, and living in the state capital, uh, you know, the president's been through here. We had a, a new governor elected, so we got an experience of um, inauguration a couple of months ago for the new governor. Uh, so it's been really neat. I've never lived in the state capital before, and uh, especially one that's kind of got a small town feel like this place. That's cool. awesome. Very cool. Don't you want number four? Go ahead, man. All right. Well, you know, I think you talked a little bit, a little bit about the fact that you guys have really kind of helped the program blossom here the last year. You know, talk about what it's like. I mean, I know you weren't there in 18 when they didn't win a game, but just talk, I mean, but you inherited that, right? So, you know, just talk about what it was like, you know, kind of bringing this program together, um, you know, that was winless in 18. And, of course, y'all won seven games last year running the flex bone. So maybe just talk a little bit about that, like, you know, how what y'all have kind of done to kind of change things and, you know, and, and, and that kind of thing. Well, the, the biggest thing, I guess, to start off with in the spring was um, – uh, Coach Jackson had a team meeting when he first got here before any of us even got here and basically let the team know that, hey, you know, the culture has been wrong when I hear, you know, guys miss stuff and they are late to stuff. And, uh, you know, it just the, – the, the culture just wasn't as tight as it needs to be in order to have, a, you know, a good successful football program. And uh, no, I'm not sure – I don't know whose fault that is. But anyway, that's kind of the way it was when he got here. So he let them know right away, if you're late to something, you're out of here. And that's what it was. And it was a little scary, to be honest, when I first got here. Hey, you know, you know, one of these guys I would see going into spring as a starting offensive lineman, you know, he was he was a minute late to the team meeting. Boom, you're gone. You're off the team. And, uh, you know, he allowed, allowed some guys to get back. But we, we finished spring ball with about 30 players on the football team. And it was, it was you know, it was a little bit scary. And, uh, and even spring was more of a uh, – it was more of a uh, – skeleton spring practice, I would call it, just because of our numbers. And also, uh, you know, the, the field was muddy. It was hard to do a whole lot. And so going to summer is kind of like, you know, uh, what are we going to do? But we just, you know, we, we busted our butts in recruiting and we, we found some good players that were still available out there. Uh, Coach Jackson didn't get hired until after the signing day. Uh, oh, wow. Some guys, you know, some few junior college guys, a few transfers, which, uh, you know, a lot of Division two programs thrive on. And, um, and hit fall camp running, and they had to learn in a hurry. Uh, Coach Jackson, and you know, just just the way he is, he told he told us or me when he hired me, he said this school hasn't beaten a Division One opponent, and I think it was since two thousand and two. And he said, and I can't remember what the date was, September second or something like that. That'll be the first time that they've beaten a Division One opponent since two thousand and two. Wow, uh, you know. And halfway want to roll my eyes at him and say, well, you know, Robert Morris was a pretty good program last year. You know, and we haven't taken a snap ever. So, 
uh, I'm on board, coach. Let's go see if we can do it. And uh, lo and behold, we got there and held on to the ball, and, uh, limited their opportunities and, and played well in defense. And uh, sure enough, he was right. Came out of there with a win. Yeah, that had to be a big one too, right? That kind of solidified kind of what you'd done, you know, and kind of brought the offense to the forefront there. And I think probably taught the guys a little bit about brotherhood, right? Absolutely. I did a, uh, Went a long way as far as justifying all the hard work we put in, for sure. Man, that's great, man. Yep. Coach, uh, talk about Kentucky State option. Uh, what does it look like, and uh, why do you use it? Well, this past year, to be completely honest with you, um, we, didn't get to, we didn't get to do as much stuff as we would like to have done, uh, just because it was so brand new. I mean, we've got a, a new quarterback who's never played in a system like this before, offensive linemen who have never – you know, ran off the football before, you know, they're used to taking 10 steps before they get past the defensive line. And that, to me, that was the biggest transition for me working with the offensive line. I was trying to get the guys playing fast. You know, they're like, oh, no, we, you know, we're supposed to have two hands here and one hand here. And I'm like, forget all that stuff. And I'm coming off the football and putting your face in the guy's chest. And, uh, you know, it slowly, they slowly, uh, you know, got to, uh, got to a much better level. And we got better throughout the season. So uh, early on, especially, we were we leaned heavily on on the zone dive, the belly G. We were looking at our stats today actually and, and doing some film study. And about 33% of our offense was straight hand the ball to fullback, whether it's isolation or belly G dive, um, things of that nature. And then and we averaged over five yards per carry doing all that stuff. That's so great. With the quarterback that had that had little to no experience reading, especially from under center. Um, you know, trying to take some pressure off him with some more, you know, some more double options, toss, and like I said, and then just pounding the ball in there. And so we didn't, you, we got better at running midline triple, we got better at running uh, the inside veer as the year went along. But um, uh, at the end of the day, we, we relied heavily on on our fullback, and he did a great job. He led the league in rushing. I think he had about about eleven hundred yards. And it was his, his first time in any kind of system similar to this at all. Um, but uh, did a great job for us. A bunch of a bunch of those kids did a great job for us. Yeah, we we were watching uh, uh, Robert Morris game and then uh, also the Tuskegee game, and boy, you awesome. guys were running the heck out of some downs some Billy G, man. That, I loved it. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, especially with the field conditions like they were. I'm telling you, it was it was hard to do a whole lot of whole lot of trickeration. It was hard to throw the football. The quarterback couldn't hardly hold on to it for one, and you couldn't get his feet set second of all, and. Uh, you know, guys are slipping and sliding around out there. So that was, uh, uh, it was, it was obviously every game we played was a good experience, but uh, but also it kind of brought them back down to earth. You know, we had that big win, and now the kids just kind of feeling themselves a little bit. And they uh, probably us as coaches were too. You know, thinking we were a little better than we were. And uh, you know, so we got out there, and and if that's a game we have later on in the season, we feel like we probably have a lot a lot better chance to win that game. But Tuskegee's a good team, an established program, and um, I hated I hated that man down to the wire. I was like, no, you guys had that one, coach. Yeah, and like I said, we've been doing some film study this week, and and uh, you know, you see play here, or there, like man, that that one play we could have won eight games, you know. Yeah. That one play we could have won nine games, and uh, for sure. Going back and looking at those games is uh, great for us, and it'll be great for our players when we get them in there and watch them. But it's also uh, heartbreaking to see some of the mistakes we've made just being a, a young option team. Well, I wanted to ask you too, um, as I was watching those games, um, 
plays like a zone option or, or, or counter option, are those like maybe in the future you're thinking about maybe, you know, that's something that you got to kind of grab, uh, evolve to or so to speak, or? Yeah, there are things that we really, we just felt like, you know, we, we, we may have put it in, you know, on Sunday or Monday and said, well, you know, we're going to commit to it this week and get good at, you know, running the, the counter option or something like that. And, uh, you know, after, after Tuesday practice, we say, you know, we, we don't have enough time to get this ready and we junk it. Let's just focus on doing the things that we do and um, getting better at those things. But yeah, obviously with, with more time to, to prepare, uh, the more stuff we can put in, you know, and, and uh, the zone option is one that we didn't really fool with a whole lot. Cause you, you got you have to kind of invest in that play. And we did at the Citadel and we're pretty good at it. Right. Especially doing it our different formations and then, you know, learning the whole zone concept between the two man, three man surface, and, you know, even with your nasty receiver in there uh, sometimes. But um, that's something we kind of held off on. And uh, our quarterback wasn't a real, real, not a real thick guy, is, you know, can really throw the ball and he's athletic and, you know, for the most part made good decisions. But we also didn't want to bang him around a whole lot more than we had to. Yeah, well, I can understand that. Yeah, counter plays. We we ran we ran the counter ISO was probably our our uh, biggest counter play. You know, sprinkled some reverses in there that were pretty successful. Um, you know, some fairly some some plays with uh, relatively few moving parts that we could also you know get some misdirection out of. Yeah, we saw the um, the boot off of the rocket. That was a good little uh, uh, play you guys scored on versus. Uh, oh yeah, I think it was Robert Morris. If I remember. Yep. Yep, that was the first touchdown of the season right there. Oh, really? Yeah, and that's that, that's always been a good one, especially when you're having a heart. You know, you know they had some big guys and they were physical. And could they can play on defense, and so you know that's just a good little wrinkle that uh that you know you can usually pull out once or twice a game if you find the right time and uh you know make a lot of hay with it. And we yeah. pulled out the right time and you put that defensive back in a bind if he was going to come up and tackle the quarterback or let him run into the end zone or or stay back and cover the fullback and and. And those guys made a nice throw and catch and got us on the board. That was awesome. Coach McLeod, you want well, me to ask the next one, buddy? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we've kind of talked about, you know, kind of everything being new <clears throat> new there. Talk about, like, um, like how you guys organize practice, um, you know, the segments you use, maybe talk about, and maybe also while you're at it, I think it would be very beneficial to kind of talk about, right? So, you know, going in there, whatever they were offensively. I don't know, but whatever they were, right? Well, they were. I, I call them just a spread team. Okay. All right. So, so, you know, going in, they're a former spread team. So, maybe also talk about like, like maybe how you had to kind of teach the kids the drills and things that you had to use because obviously, you know, nothing carried over at all. So, um, but anyway, you know, talk about your practice and maybe just talk about kind of some things you had to do to kind of kind of evolve everything from where they were previous. Yeah, sure. Um, as far as practice goes, you know, I think we, you know, most everywhere I've been does, does things very similar. I mean, I, I brought along a, a practice script just so I could reference it here for you. But, you know, we, we start off, you know, basically we start off individual and then we, we build up into larger uh, group and team segments. Um, so here for this this day, for example, was a Thursday practice in the last week of the season. And, um, you know, I got five minutes of, of shoot work with the offensive line and then uh, working on base blocks, working on, you know, just timing up those eyes and hands and, you know, coming off the ball, the flat back and getting two steps in the ground. 
um, base and linebacker, same kind of deal. We're working on just, you know, the fit and then the, uh, where your eyes and hands go and accelerate those feet and staying on the blocks, that sort of thing. Uh, and then we worked on scoops for another five minutes, which um, uh, is, you know, something we've got to work on, especially we do a lot of half line segments. So we actually went half line riding the side after that. Uh, and we, the reason we do the half line is because we try to get our scoop work, a lot of it anyway, in the individual, because we have some guys down there that are, are better at taking those blocks, protecting themselves. And, and uh, so that's, that's kind of the way we do that. But, uh, we went through 15 minutes of half line riding the side on this particular day. Uh, and that was great for us because, like I was telling you, you know, as the season went on, the quarterback got better and better at, at reading the, you know, reading the read key, whether it's midline or, or veer. And uh, the slots got did a better job of understanding where they need to be in pitch relationship and not getting too deep and not getting too flat and, you know, make sure they got in, in pitch phase so they could, you know, out leverage the defense. Uh, so that was big for us. Then we went to a riding to side, I'm sorry, 15 minutes of inside. We were big on inside. And that's probably one of the reasons we relied so heavily on our fullback game because we did a ton of inside every day. Uh, and while we were while the offensive line slots, fullbacks, quarterbacks were doing inside, uh, other quarterbacks would go with the receivers. They would do routes on the air. You know, just something to, to polish up, you know, their depths and their timing and that sort of thing. Uh, so we're all able to do some good work during that time. Uh, then we had a 20-minute segment of team options. And in that way, we sprinkle in a little bit of everything. We'll throw a little bit of play action in there. Uh, you know, most mostly rely on option plays, but we'll, we'll mix a little bit of everything in there and uh, give them different looks from the defense. You know, we'll line them up. You know, obviously, however we feel like that team we're playing that week will line up and then also give them some alternative looks because everybody knows, and I've, I've heard guys say it on your podcast before, you know, <laughs> until you get out there and line up, you don't really know. That's, that's exactly right, man. You might as well, you know, roll the dice and see what numbers you get. No doubt. I mean, it's, it's always exciting to see. Well, what are you, what are you seeing from up top? Well, I'm there. Looks like you got a zero nose in there, you know. Um, but yeah. usually after that first series, you can figure it out. And I know you all talked to Coach Hafner about that, about the, the sideline cameras or the uh, in-game cameras. Yeah. Yeah, we have an advantage in high school, man. I'm not gonna lie to you. That's uh, awesome, man. Yeah, we used the crap out of it. I yeah. mean, it's unbelievable. You know, I hate to say it out loud because I'm scared they'll take it away from me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would too. Be For sure. Uh, anyway, so after that 20 minutes of team options, we go into a team combo, which is basically the same thing. We got all 11 guys, you know, running two huddles. <laughs> you know. Oh, again, as many plays in as we can. I mean, we, we were getting, you know, 90 to 100 plays in with all 11 guys uh, some days. I mean, you know, well, that's a 26 period practice and with conditioning at the end of it. And, uh, I'm telling you, we ran, we ran practices and conditioning, uh, I would say, a, a lot like a 90s football program. And we, we ran the kids. You know, we weren't worried about saving their legs. We weren't worried about staying up high on, on uh, I mean, when we're practicing for these sections. Uh, we're full speed. We got defensive guys now. They got their knee pads in. And we're like, hey, man, you got to protect yourself and try to go make a play because uh, we're coming to cut block you on the perimeter. We're going to scoop you in the box. We're going to, uh, you know, if we can pl fat, uh, flat back a defensive lineman up front, and that's what we're going to do. And, uh, and then at the end of practice, we're running hundreds, running fifties. I mean, uh, you know, things that, uh, that are, are kind of unpopular these days uh, in the world of football, but uh, things that we feel like really paid off for us. Because like I said, with the limited amount of time we had to prepare before we started playing, I mean, we had to jump right into it. Because, you know, the best way to get better is to actually play football. Yep. And that's what, that's what we went out there and did. But um, so that, you know, that's, I think, a fairly common 
practice structure right there. One thing we do is a little bit differently than, than some other places I've been is we do all of our special teams at the beginning of practice instead of instead of pepper them throughout. I know some people do them, you know, a period or two before practice, have something in the middle, and then and we will we will a lot of times end with extra point field goal. Though I know a lot of people a lot of people do that. Yeah, <clears throat> we do the bulk of our special teams toward the beginning of practice. And coach, I, I have like a the, question for you. Go ahead, Tony. Sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll, I, there's a there's a big debate, a hot debate going on. Oh boy, you're, you're an offensive line guy, right? So um, I need your opinion on this. Um, right. Which hand to put down in your stance for the right side of your offensive line, left side? Does it matter? What What's your take on it? Personally, I'd say whichever whichever hand is most comfortable. And I, I really just say that because that's the way it was when I was in college. And uh, I can't imagine playing with my left hand on the ground. So I played left tackle mostly with my right hand on the ground. And I felt like, I felt like it gave me a, a you know, having my arm, my right arm extended there, I could really rip that right elbow back, like coming out of my stance for, for scoops, you know, going to get my head across on scoops. And, um, and plus it was just what I was comfortable with, what I'd always played with my, my right hand on the ground. So that's what I tell guys. Um, when I was at Missouri Southern, and Coach Kenny can tell you this, uh, he was big on uh, left side, left hand down, right side, right hand down. And we didn't have quite as much weight forward in our stances. And to be honest with you, it probably helped a little bit with our pass protection just because, you know, you already have a stagger with your left foot uh, or your outside foot back. So, you, you know, you can come out of your stance and, and the slide protection is a little bit cleaner sometimes. You don't have to switch your feet. But uh, we did a great job pass protection, protecting this year. And um, – we were, you know, whatever hand they wanted, and so I think everybody had the right hand down, really. But uh, that's kind of that's the kind of thing where uh, you kind of start out teaching it, and then you move on, and you forget to check that stuff. That's my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not looking to see if you got your right hand or left hand down. I'm looking for your feet now. I'm gonna see which one you step with. But I, you know, the hand. But we got guys that swear inside hand got to be down, outside hand's got to be down. I said, well, what about the tight end when he switches sides? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what – I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's, that's what that argument gets exposed a little bit because we were the same way. You know, we were, we were adamant about left side, left hand down, and then it's like, well, you know, we noticed that our tight end was just always in a right-handed stance. And it's like, well, you want me to tell him to do something different? Like, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. then, we screw the, then we screw the center up and put him in a four-point stance. You know what I mean? That's right, yeah. Balance him <laughs> up. And that now – that was a little bit new for us too. Finding a guy who was was uh, yeah. comfortable being in a four point stance, uh, but none of our guys had ever done anything like that before. And they're kind of looking at me sideways, like I can't. I'm supposed to have my eyes up and and be able to snap this ball and step at the same time. And like, so, all right, well you go play guard then. You bring somebody else in here to play center. <laughs> yeah. we found found a couple that were pretty good at it. But uh, I got a question from Drew. If that's okay, uh, Coach yeah. McLeod. Absolutely. We've got to get double D in here tonight. I made, I made him ask this question. Uh, come up with a question. he got a special question for you. We were watching all, right. uh, we were watching all that Billy G down stuff, right? And uh -huh. we were getting excited. And, um, so we noticed you play a lot with a tight end. Do you yep. have those guys uh, – are they only tight ends or do they maybe sometimes split out a receiver? And then if so, like how do you work that out at practice, like – because we know all them guys want to go down there and catch balls, but they need to get, yeah. you know, get down there and get after it, you know what I mean, with the O-line. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's a great question. And uh, with the guy we had this year, we ended up with a guy about, about 6'5", 240, who was a, kind of a former offensive lineman, but a real lean guy. And uh, he was perfect for what we wanted him to do because he, 
you know, he was good enough down blocker and, uh, you know, could you know, run the, uh, the veer seal and that sort of thing. And, and also he could split out there and he could catch the ball. He could run a hitch, you know, he can, he could run a post. He could do some stuff like that. And, uh, and so we did a little bit of each of us so we couldn't get tight. You know, they're like, oh, there's a tight end in the game. Let's, let's run so-and-so in there. And so we did a little bit of each with him. Now he spent the bulk of his time with me and, you know, in the shoots, you know, down the sled, that sort of thing. And, um, and so focus primarily on his blocking, but also sometimes during that inside drill or route, when he'd go, he'd go routes on there with the, uh, with the receivers and, you know, you get a little bit of work in there, but you're right. I mean, you got to kind of, you got to keep an eye on it and make sure that they're not, this, this guy wasn't bad about it at all, but I've had some in the past that, man, as soon as you turn your head, they're down there playing receiver. <laughs> you know what I mean? As soon as you put them in that eighties number, that's, you know, that. <laughs> right. that's <laughs> yeah. uh, but this kid, Kyle did a great job of getting out there and you know, taking on the role of blocker and, and he, you know, do things. We we stand him up in a nasty alignment a lot of times, and and you know, have him have him whack or wham block the outside linebacker on the toss, and uh, you know, do some things like that. He, he did a real good job for us. That's awesome. Hey, did, hey, hey, go ahead. All right, hey, so did did you guys um, decide to huddle, or did y'all go no huddle? Oh, we went straight old school. We uh, we okay. we huddled up. We we. You know, we grab a, a slot back or a receiver and say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, rip 34 and send them out like Paul Johnson and uh, yeah, man. tell the guys what to do and they really break. And then you know, we'd be over there screaming, you know, got to snap the ball, got to snap the ball, got to snap the ball. They, yeah. you know, we managed to only have one or two delay a game penalties. There's a lot of times we thought, man, this, we're never going to get this off. But we feel like that's the, the, the simplest way to communicate it. And then yeah. you know, our games were uh, – you know, weren't too noisy. We did play, play in Lucas Oil Stadium, and all the bands were there. That was pretty loud. But um, for the most part, you know, if there's something, you know, that, a check that we're, we, we'll say they're not going to make and we see it from the sidelines, a lot of times you can just scream it out there and, you know, the defense getting usually much the wiser. And, um, but, yeah, as far as we, you know, we didn't work about signals, we had signals for routes and two-minute stuff like that. But as far as signaling every play, I mean, either the quarterback would come to the sideline or we or – we'd, uh, substitute somebody in to have the play. Gotcha. Be much of an issue. They, the, the guys got really good at it in a hurry of, you know, not screwing up the play call between the sideline. The they did a good job. Gotcha. And coach, you guys play with a, a base three foot split. I, I, sometimes it seemed like. Or did you think maybe uh, splits were kind of tight to your liking, or do you like you like splits tighter? No, no. We we start with three foot splits as a base. But then from there, as you know, as the season goes on, it's kind of like, well, we're going to see a 50 defense. We're going to tighten our splits up a little bit for running the dive, and obviously for running the toss, we're going to shorten the edge up a little bit. So, you know, the more the more experience we got in, the more we played with the splits. But you can see a lot of times our inexperience because you see guys in there sometimes foot to foot, and that's not something we ever teach. You know, on the trap, I know the guards sometimes like to really cheat it down for some reason, uh, feeling like he may not be able to get in there uh, on the trap. Uh, that sort of thing. We're on scoops. Sometimes guys try to cheat their splits down until they're, you know, six inches. But uh, really anywhere from, from two to three, and that's about about what we, uh, we played with. Now, if we got into a little bit of zone option game, we probably went more like a foot and a half, you know, just to, because we weren't very good there. It. it was something kind of new to us. And, again, that's one of the reasons we didn't, didn't get into that a whole lot. Yeah, that's okay. The reason I ask, I know some guys like to use those smart splits, and that's kind of what you – you kind of explain where you would, you know, change them a little bit. You know what I mean? Depending on your concept, you know, maybe yep. that's what your what your goal is. You know, um, yep. so that's good. That's and, good stuff. 
And there are a lot of things that could within the offense that we would slightly tweak from week to week, you know, depending on you know, what we thought we were going to get. And then we'd get something totally different and then we'd be out the window. But Yeah, <laughs> with you on that. <laughs> That's the life, isn't it, man? Coach, let's talk about drills. Uh, we got a question on here about your drills. What's your favorite O-line drill or maybe a, a must-have? You, you got to do it every day. Uh, for me, the, the everyday drills um, are we going to get in the shoot and we're going to run off the football. Just no, you know, nothing in front of you. Just you know, offset left, offset right. Make sure you're pushing that hip up and over, running down the board, and just running off the football. We'll do usually go through twice each way with that. Um, then the sled. I'm big on the sled as far as, like like I talked about, eyes and hands. You know, timing up those those heels of your hands and the horns on your helmet right there. You know, every day, because that's, you know, that's fundamental blocking, in my opinion, is, you know, whether you're blocking at the linebacker level or, or at the line of scrimmage, you know, being able to, to lock onto a guy and accelerate your feet and stay on the block. Uh, so we'll, like, we'll do base blocks on the sled. Like I said, first thing we'll do is um, uh, two-step fire to the fit. We're just punching the bag, laying out, you know, completely bring your hips through, finish with your hands above your head. I'm sure you've seen guys do it, those drills before. And then get on there and uh, hit it and drive. Hit it right shoulder lead, left shoulder lead. And just hit and make sure you're keeping a base and you're keeping a flat back and uh, keeping your eyes up and just really uh, accelerating through. And we'll do, we'll do those every single day. Uh, some Thursdays we didn't do the sled. Uh, but besides that, uh, those are the biggest ones. Um, did a little bit of cut blocking drills. We're probably a little lighter on that this year. We didn't have a cut ball, and we kind of tried to just uh, rig up some drills that were would simulate cut blocks without having to do it on on real people sometimes. Um, but those those the sled and the shoots were two of the biggest things. Now, unfortunately, this year we our our shoot was a uh, uh, what do you call it? it? You know, it had different the different sections in it, so I yeah. couldn't, couldn't do any work under the shoot with say. Uh, aces, combos, or scoop deliveries under the under the shoot, but we've got a we've got a new shoot now that we can get two or three guys under at one time. They can work a lot of stuff together, and that should help out a lot. And you'll see if you watch that film, a lot of guys popping straight up off the football just because uh, you know they're, they're still learning, still in the learning process of understanding how important it is to play with low pad level. Yeah, yeah. having to break that habit of go, coming from the spread offense. You know, I remember. Um, listening to Paul Johnson talk about that when they were messing around with some of the gun stuff is, is just, you know, those guys that, you know, in that zone scheme kind of didn't want to get down there and do the dirty work, so to speak. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but, but you guys did a good job, it sounds like, with what you told us earlier about establishing that grit and being physical in practice and establishing, you know, that, 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 uh, that tough mentality. You know what I mean? That's, that's awesome. Right. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy thing because like I said, we ended up, we ended up spring with five offensive linemen and, a lot of those guys ended up playing for us at one point or another, but uh, also had some guys come in that we really had to retrain or try to retrain, you know, in a hurry. And they, you know, some of them uh, grasped the concept and some of them uh, I'm looking forward to working with again this spring and hoping we can, you know, continue to come along. Again, it's not, to me, it's all about playing fast and, and having good feet and, you know, you know, like I said, having a little bit of grit, a little bit of toughness and, uh, and then buying into buying into the system, what we do, and then like I said, having a little bit of success early uh, uh, really helped us as a as a coach staff sell this, you know, sell what we're doing. Yeah, I would imagine too, having played in it as an offensive lineman, you can kind of really emphasize those coaching points that that were coached to you, to your guys, and you know, you bring some validity, right? So, you know, I mean, you you know, those guys know you played O line at, at Southern and. And so you bring some validity to the to the party. 
Talk about maybe how you selected, you know, um, with your guys, like uh, like who you had where, like what's your personnel look like at tackle, guard, and center. Um, you know, kind of maybe talk about what the guys look like because, you know, you get there, you're, you're watching, you're looking at film from the previous year, right, trying to figure out, all right, who's going to be my tackle, who, who could be a guard, you know. You know, maybe talk about that a little bit um, and kind of how you kind of finished it off. Well, I can tell you early on, uh, there was it was like musical chairs figuring out again who who could play center, um, you know who we thought could play guard. Uh, we were big on you know we wanted to play side tackle. It was good in pass protection because uh, a lot of times they'd be singled up on four techniques that sort of thing in our in, you know the way we protected. Uh, but, but those first week or maybe week and a half, I mean it was a different lineup every day, just trying to figure out you know who who we need to go where. And then finally you know we said all right we gotta we gotta lock in and settle on who's gonna wear and then. Throughout the season, we changed. We only had one guy who ended up being an all-conference player, but he uh, he played right tackle, left tackle, and then ended up settling at left guard and being a pretty good left guard for us. And that's where he'll stick around from now on. But um, as far as body types, we had we ended up playing with a tight end at left tackle. He, he played guard weight about 225. You know, he caught some balls the year before, but never really done a lot of blocking. But he bought in and never never said a word and went and started every single game for us. Um, uh, our center started every game for us. He did a good job. Uh, just continue to get better right there. You know, life got to be, you know, 270 or 280 usually at center. Uh, but athletic, be able to move, be able to get up to the linebacker level and, and make blocks. And this guy did a pretty good job of that. Uh, our other guard was another 300-pound guy, uh, which we'd like to get him a little bit lighter than that. You know, usually, I mean, he's pretty tall, but he handles it okay. Uh, we got him coming off the ball pretty hard and, you know, beating up on some people, but you know, another, another big body on the interior. And then uh, over at the right tackle, we had another guy who uh, kind of emerged uh, as the season went on that hadn't played the last season. And, uh, you know, we stuck him out there uh, at the Circle City Classic at Lucas Oil State. And he had a heck of a game and just got, again, a guy about 260 pounds, but with really good feet and, and uh, played hard and get downfield. And, you know, we can't cut beyond the five yard marker anymore, but he just right. Engaging with linebackers and safeties, and just you know, mirroring them, running right down the field, and keeping them off of our ball carriers. But yeah, you know, quicker, quicker, smaller guys that tackle typically, and our, you know, kind of our bigger guys they guard if they, get, especially if they get covered up with three techniques and that sort of thing. With some guys that can, you know, hold their own in there and and get some movement. Well, coach, uh, we're going to wrap it up. I got one more question for you. Okay. Uh, you know, as a coach who's coached in this scheme for several years and played in it on top of that. Um, how, how have you seen it evolve, number one? And then uh, and then, what do you see as the future of the flex bone? Well, uh, you know, it's an interesting question. It, it's evolved a lot from when I started as a player, getting our learning system. It was a lot of inside veer, a lot of midline, a lot of uh, zone dive, which is still, still is a good bit of that. But, uh, you don't see quite as much veer uh, as you used to. I mean, everybody prepares for it, and you gotta you gotta be ready for it. But uh, you know, zone option is has become a big part. I know in a lot of these systems, all the Naval Academy and and uh, and Army and Citadel, especially. You know, they like take the ball and they just basically have the fullback blocker and let him be the eyes of the quarterback, as they say. Uh, you know, a lot more of that, and it's very effective. Like I say, it's a little expensive. You got to invest in to get good at it, but. But uh, you got a guy, especially if you got a guy that's uh, a thicker body that's willing to 
you know, throw it up in there over and over and over again, uh, which is what you hope you have, then, then that's a big part of it. Now, what, where I see it evolving is, and I could be totally wrong about this, but I, I think it's going to cycle back around to what it was in the late, late 90s and early 2000s where you know, you're back to running a lot of veer and teams have to stay honest and you know, get in their defense and, and be uh, disciplined. And I, th I do think it's going to evolve back around to that. And it's still, there's still great plays, midline triple and veer. I know when we played Alabama a couple of years ago at Citadel, you know, we, we did a lot of different things with a lot of different formations. And then I believe, if I remember right, we, uh, we got the ball pitched on a uh, midline option five-yard touchdown we got it pitched on 12 load for another 40 uh, something yard touchdown run and uh, you know those again they kind of gets back to back to the basics because they start worrying about all this other stuff and uh, before you know it you know your your base stuff starts to come back and be effective again. I like I said I could be wrong about that it could turn into something totally different maybe become a passing offense in the future I don't, know. <laughs> don't you I say RPO. don't you say RPO coach don't you <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I agree with you. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of teams go back to running inside beer. And, you know, it, it takes work, obviously. Um, but I think you're right when you're looking at um, teams across the country running this, uh, running this offense, you, you find that, um, you know, I think a lot of people have sort of spent a lot more time on complimentary plays. And when you get back to what you installed in spring the first day, it ends up popping a little bit better. So I'm yep. going to agree with you on that. Well, good. Glad, glad you came back on that one. Yeah, I got you. I, got, I think you and I might be in a minority, but I'm with you, man. <laughs> so. I was going to say. That's going to wrap this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. You can download or listen to our podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or the Google Podcast app. You can go on and rate us if you think we're any good and leave us some comments that you might think uh, you'd like to hear about in future episodes. Again, I'm Matt McLeod. You can reach me on Twitter at RunTheTriple. Again, that's at RunTheTriple. Our Mesh Point podcast uh, has its own Twitter page. That is at the Mesh Point. Again, at the Mesh Point. You can also find me on FlexBoneNation.com. I have an option blog there and write articles and have plays uh, that can help you out particularly during the season. All right, Tony, I want you to let the listeners know how they can get you on social media. All right, guys, go to Three Face Football on Twitter, at Three Face Football, and uh, you'll, you'll be able to follow my account. And um, The cool thing about it is, is every Monday we do something called Mesh Point Monday, and basically I'll post out four questions concerning a triple option topic. It's a great opportunity for coaches all around uh, the country and uh, to, to get together and network and, and uh, get to know each other and you know talk about some kind of triple option topic. So catch uh, catch that every Monday, eight o'clock Eastern. And uh, what you want to do is search the hashtag MeshPoint to see everybody's responses uh, to to the four questions. Uh, like I said, great great way to uh, build our networks and, and and learn some things. It's like an ongoing webinar on Twitter, so it's real cool. Also check out the website threefacefootball.net. I've got some cool gear, like Fear the Veer, you'll see in the background here. Uh, Fear the Veer stuff, uh, mesh point gear, and, and other things like that. So uh, go check out that website as well. Thank mm -hmm. you.